From the capital city, I'm Jazz Garrett. Matt Miller is with the Alaska Department of Fish and Game Division of Sport Fish. He is the Fish and Game Coordinator for Cook Inlet. He spoke with News of the North regarding fishery closures around Cook Inlet. We issued a series of emergency orders last Thursday, restricting and closing king salmon sport fisheries around Cook Inlet. We've seen the king salmon stocks across Alaska experience low productivity for several years. Uh, Cook Inlet is no exception out there. We've been doing restrictions uh, to those fisheries for the last several years in one way or another. And we had just got our forecast for the 2023 season, looking ahead how many king salmon we anticipate to come back, and it, it didn't look good. So based on the preseason forecast for king salmon throughout Cook Inlet, the department made some preseason restrictions. This is their goal they are looking to meet. There's a goal on the Kenai River king salmon late run of how many fish we'd like to see come back and spawn. It's an escapement goal. And that goal is 15,000 to 30,000 king salmon, large king salmon. Our forecast was for 13,630. We're significantly under. Why is there this low productivity in king salmon? There is no one answer, Miller says. There's, you know, people all want to point to one thing or another that's habitat or it's overfished, it's the in-river fishermen, it's the commercial fishermen, it's it's whales, it's predation, it's global warming, it's all sorts of issues will come up. And it's frankly, you know, it's likely all of those things are adding to the stress mortality of the kings. The department has done some studies over the past several years, and I believe some studies out of Southeast and out of the Yukon were both suggesting that the primary issue is a nearshore survival. So after the kings smolt out, as you leave the freshwater system and go out into the ocean, they'll spend some time in nearshore waters, eating, feeding, getting bigger before they go out into deeper water. And there seems to be a mortality issue there, higher than they're expecting. Miller adds, this is no easy decision to make. The closure triggers actions taken in other areas. These are not easy decisions to restrict or close these fisheries. I mean, the department realizes how important these fisheries are to Alaskans and all the users who come up and fish and enjoy the resources. But they're consistent with the management plans adopted by the Alaska Board of Fisheries and principles of sustained fisheries management. So we we need to take them. So when the sport fisheries are closed in the Kenai River for that late run, it also closes the salt waters north of the latitude of Bluff Point to the taking of king salmon. So that action's in there. It also prohibits dip netters using that personal use fishery at the mouth of the Kenai River from retaining king salmon. So they can't retain kings. And then it also goes over and impacts the commercial fisheries. This is where to stay up to date with Fish and Games monitoring. Even though we've taken these actions pre-season to to be conservative as we start into these fisheries, we will be monitoring the king salmon and other fisheries throughout the season. And if the numbers are coming back higher than we had forecasted and it looks like we're going to be making goals, then we'll ease those restrictions and allow some more opportunity for folks to go out and fish. And one of the great ways for the public to be aware of what's happening is on our website. So on the Fishing Game website, there is a tab down on the right-hand side, pretty big tab. This is press release and emergency orders. He encourages anyone who is going to go fishing to check that website to see the latest news on the fishery or sign up for announcements on specific fisheries. President Joe Biden has made fighting climate change a core part of his agenda, but his recent decision on Monday to give the go-ahead to the Willow Project, an oil drilling project in Alaska, has infuriated environmental activists. A leader of one environmental advocacy group that's allied with the administration acknowledges there is disappointment, anger, and frustration over the decision. 
Biden's challenge will be convincing supporters that his achievements, such as hundreds of billions of financial incentives for clean energy, are still enough to ensure the United States meets his ambitious goal for reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Biden has not spoken publicly about his approval of the large-scale willow drilling proposal in Alaska. Jennifer King from the Associated Press has more. An oil drilling plan for Alaska's North Slope is getting the stamp of approval from the Biden administration. Environmentalists are expressing disappointment with President Biden's decision to greenlight Alaska's North Slope Willow Development Project. Sources say the plan would allow three drill sites for about 219 wells in total. Oil company ConocoPhillips says it could produce up to 180,000 barrels of oil a day and 300 long-term jobs. The Stop Willow campaign had been gaining traction on social media, gathering more than 300 million views on TikTok. But the development enjoys widespread support in the state. And on March 3rd, while some indigenous Alaskans were protesting outside the White House, the state's congressional delegation met with Biden to argue in favor of the project. Separately, the White House announced that nearly three million acres of the Beaufort Sea would be closed off from oil exploration and drilling would be limited to protect wildlife in more than 13 million acres in the National Petroleum Reserve. I'm Jennifer King. The decision of approval came Monday with a lawsuit from environmental groups on Tuesday. Alaska Wilderness League was among six groups that filed a lawsuit in U.S. District Court challenging the Biden administration's approval of ConocoPhillips Willow Oil and Gas Project. Today, the organization attorneys also filed for a preliminary injunction in the case asking the court to step in before ConocoPhillips starts blasting a gravel pit for road construction. Coming up next on News of the North, many areas in the city and borough of Juneau are currently experiencing flooding conditions. The Juneau Arts and Humanities Council is accepting artist applications. Juneau Police Department joined Action Line this week and St. Patty's Day is tomorrow. Stay tuned. You're listening to News of the North. The city and borough of Juneau is experiencing area-wide street flooding conditions. Heavy rain is melting a thick snowpack, greatly increasing runoff. Ditches have been packed with snow and drains are still covered with snow, so ice is slowing the movement of water. If you are aware of any drains in your neighborhood that are plugged, please help by opening them up as much as possible, the city asks. Do not park on or near drains as CBJ crews may have to access them rapidly. Crews are attempting to respond as quickly as possible to the worst affected areas. To locate storm drains in your neighborhood, visit CBJ's Parcel Viewer available on KINYradio.com. To report street flooding during the daytime hours, please call CBJ Streets Division at 907-586-5256 or for after-hours assistance, please call JPD at 907-586-0600. Juno Arts and Humanities Council Gallery Manager Rochelle Bonet spoke with News of the North about artists' applications for the upcoming gallery season, which will be October of this year through September of 2024. An interested artist individual group or organization would basically head to our website where we have posted all of our guidelines for putting an application in. 
and you would apply online. And what we're looking for are exhibit proposals that feature original artwork that's created in the last three years and not previously exhibited in Alaska. We accept all mediums, so it can be drawing, painting, printmaking, sculpture, ceramics, mixed media, pretty much anything you can think of would be eligible. She says it's up to the artist what their theme is. Any experience level can apply. So our program, we support both established and emerging artists showcasing new works, but we also represent the, like, the broadest spectrum of media. So we accept artists who are, it's their first time that they've ever showed, and we also accept um, artists who are professional who have had multiple shows or groups of people. Bonnet gives more details on how to apply. Applications are being accepted now through May 15th by 11.59 p.m. Alaska time. So you have two months to put something together and get an application in. When you go to submit your application, the materials that will be um, required for that include the following. Contact information, artist statement and bio, and artist resume, the exhibit proposal, which is basically just a description of what you plan to exhibit, and then five high-quality images of your work with descriptions, and if you have any interest in offering an educational component, which would be uh, like a workshop or a lecture or a demonstration, application fee of $40. If selected, artists could select their preference for which months their art could be displayed. They would participate in the first Friday event and have their exhibit displayed for the entire month. Following a Juneau Police Department luncheon last week with Deputy Chief David Campbell, Chief Ed Mercer joined Action Line this week. Jordan Lewis has more. During that talk, Chief Mercer mentioned that JPD is down 11 officers and may have retiring soon. Chief Mercer says the staffing issue is nationwide. He also commented on how social issues influence police staffing. In the last several years, I mean, one of the very controversial things was the George Floyd case. Put spotlight on law enforcement across the country in regards to how you police your community and what relations you have with the citizens you police. And that can certainly play a role in it, but also coupled with our pandemic. I mean, we're not the only industry or profession that is struggling with filling rank and file. So until, the, until we move forward and get out of this, I think we're in this for a little while. Chief Mercer also touched on retention efforts with JPD. And then also for the city, I mean, a lot of the conversation around retaining employees or having employees coming into our state is our retirement program. We used to be a defined retirement system, and now it's a contribution. And there's a lot of conversation about that. But the CBJ has has trying to offset a little bit of that and make it a little more enticing for like tier four employees where they give them a percentage of, of, of pay towards their retirement that will maybe help offset their contribution to that defined contribution fund. You can listen to the full program on our website, kinyradio.com. St. Patrick's Day is one of President Biden's favorite holidays, and he'll mark the occasion tomorrow with a visit from the Irish Prime Minister. ABC News White House correspondent Karen Travers has details. 
President Biden continues a long-standing St. Patrick's Day tradition at the White House, inviting the Prime Minister of Ireland for a day celebrating the U.S.-Ireland relationship. The president, who loves to share his pride in his Irish heritage, will sit down with Leo Varadkar in the Oval Office for a one-on-one meeting before the two leaders head to Capitol Hill for the annual Friends of Ireland luncheon. In the afternoon, the president and prime minister, or Taoiseach as it's called in Ireland, will hold the annual Shamrock presentation ceremony at the White House, which will include a performance from Irish singer and former member of One Direction, Niall Horan. Karen Travers, ABC News, The White House. Never miss a story or newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. I'm Jazz Garrett for News of the North.